0: Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholls. And today on the show, we're talking about the Privacy Commission and some concerns that landlords have been raising around privacy. Now, this has come up in a couple of articles recently. I thought we needed to talk about it. So some landlords who have been hurt by tenants, or at least feel like they've got the short end of the stick with some tenants that they've had, have taken to Facebook groups and private websites to publish lists of what they consider to be bad tenants. One example of this is UnitedLandlords.net where you can pay a fee and search through lists of good and bad tenants and also a Facebook group called Bad Tenants and in brackets Landlords Only which are publishing lists of up to 200 bad tenants with their full names, locations and that's visible to anyone on this Facebook group. Now obviously that's a bit of a concern because they're releasing private information and they're potentially going to get the short end of the stick, or rather the long end of the stick, from the Privacy Commission.
1: Yeah, and look, the Privacy Commission is a force to be reckoned with. You do not want to be on the wrong side of them.
0: Now, the question is, are these people actually in breach of privacy legislation? And let's cover this before we go into some other thoughts about whether this is justified or not. And it appears to be that they are in total breach of the law, according to some privacy lawyers like Catherine Dalziel, who's been quoted there, who is a barrister, in Christchurch. And it's because they were soliciting and sharing this information in an unfair way where the tenant had no way to correct any information or without some sort of transparent process for this. Now, there are two parts to this where they may be in breach of the privacy laws that we have here in New Zealand. First of all, the keeper of the list, the Facebook groups or the websites, they're potentially in breach or could be caught up for defamation, and then the landlords themselves for sharing that information.
1: Now, the defamation case is an interesting one. So the best defence for defamation is truth. So if you are telling the truth, you don't have a defamation case against you. Simple as that. So I'd say that would be pretty weak and then you have to be able to prove damages as well. But the privacy breaches, they are absolutely real.
0: Well, I'd anticipate as well though, Andrew, that any law enforcement agency or mediator is probably more likely to come on the side of the tenants in this case because landlords, not only are we berated in the media, but we are the businesses in this case. And generally speaking, we find that mediators would come on the side of the consumer, in this case, the tenant.
1: Yeah, because the business, as it were, should uh, know better.
0: Now the key parts of the legislation that are in breach, and I think there are some key learnings that are important for all landlords by the way, but I just want to first go through which parts are in breach. If you are going to publish information about tenants, you've got to be open and transparent and actually get their permission to publish it as well. You've got to have their explicit consent. And they've got to make sure that tenants know that any bad information or adverse information is being published so that they can contest it if they think it's wrong or inaccurate. So those are the main things that would have to be in place in order to be able to publish this information, which of course no tenant in their right mind is going to agree to.
1: No, absolutely. Having said that, I guess if someone we're wanting to have a tenancy agreement in a location like Wellington where they're so sought after for rentals, there there may be clauses in there. But I think that, again, it's one thing to have a contract, but if the contract is unfair, then it can be torn up.
0: Now, my key learning for everybody is not necessarily the stuff around the privacy laws, even though those are really important. What I really took away from this article, and I'll be interested in what you took away as well, Andrew, is that these landlords have clearly been burnt. Something's gone wrong, or at least they feel hard done by by institutions like the Tenancy Tribunal. On the United Landlords website, they even said, look, the Tenancy Tribunal, in their opinion, cannot force a bad tenant to meet their obligations. So get angry, get over it, and get even. You know, these people have been hurt, something's gone wrong, and the emotional reaction is very strong. And I think the main takeaway is, look, if you're a private landlord, because this is really only, we're talking about private landlords who are so emotionally invested in the property investment process, You've got to put some professionals in place, and I know we bang on about this, but you've got to get a property manager in there. You've got to distance yourself emotionally so that you can treat this as an investment.
1: I think it is really important to remember that this is a business and you do want to act in a business like fashion and employing professionals is a really important. Part of that, I've said time and time again, the only time that Andrew Nichol has lost you know, money in rental properties is actually when he's been involved in the property management himself. And any listeners of the show will remember me talking about the time that I hunted down my tenants by putting the tracking device in the DVD player. I've had a few texts about that one. People enjoyed that story. Look, that was kind of the only real bad instance that I had with tenants ripping me off. And to be fair, I didn't follow the process as well as I ought to. So I was to blame as well. But it's interesting, you know, it is easy to get emotive around this stuff because when we're investing in property, it is relatively stressful. And, you know, you don't see the fruits of the benefits for a number of years in a lot of cases. And you've got mortgage to pay, and it can put a lot of undue pressure on a landlord if they're not getting rent come in and they've got to meet those mortgage obligations. And so I get that. So when I read articles like this, I think, well, you got every right, you know, if someone's going to take your money and steal from you, then you should be allowed to put this up. But Ed's right, you do have to do this in a professional manner, and you do have to follow the process, and it has to be fair and you have to accept some responsibility if you're going to choose to manage the property yourself. Because there is a lot of compliance that goes with property management, and the property management industry is going to go through a major overhaul in terms of their obligations in the coming year. And for us at Venture Management, for example, we use people like TPS, who are Tenancy Practice Services, and they guide our team in the right steps to follow and the correct forms to use when dealing with tenants. And the forms that they put together are signed off by the likes of the Privacy Commission and checked over with lawyers. We make sure that we follow the process with lodging a claim and actually having an appropriate order for a debt to be repaid. And so that's what you have to do. So you have to actually go through the tenancy tribunal, have a mediation. If there's an award in your favour, then that means that a tenant has say $2,000 that they've got to pay off. And normally as an instalments, you you do get it over a period of time. But this is where we just had Simon Yarrell on the show a couple of episodes ago. He was talking about how if you have landlord's insurance, often that payment could be made up front to you. So actually that could just be a good way of mitigating against this kind of risk. So yes, if you get a tenancy order that says you owe $2,000, your insurance company might pay that straight off the bat and then they'll try and collect the money from the tenant. So again, it separates you from it. If you, have an order that's sealed and then the tenant doesn't make their payments, then you can lodge it with a debt collection agency. But again, you do have to have appropriate wording in your tenancy agreement that says you're allowed to pass it on to a debt collection agency because again, you've got to be careful around the privacy there and that they've got the right to recover and add-on fees associated with that recovery.
0: And the way you would do this, because TPS has a great portal which is available for private landlords as well. So if you are a private landlord, you could use this. And the process is that they've got a relationship with it, which I believe is New Zealand Credit Services, where you can go on, pop in all your details, and that will lodge it with the debt recovery organisation. So if we're talking about how to alert future landlords to the potential credit risk or the potential risks of bringing on a tenant that you've had a hard time dealing with, that's right, go through the mediation go through and get that sealed order where they're deemed to pay that money to you. And then if they fail to pay that money at the right times, that's when you lodge it with the debt collection agency. Now, that will then show up on the credit record. And any good property manager will be doing a credit check on a tenant before they let them in the property. And this will show up not only what that order was in terms of what they needed to be paid, but also how much of that has been paid back. If I'm now a property management company, I'm looking at a tenant which you've had a really hard time with and have lodged a debt with the New Zealand Credit Services, I'd be able to see that actually this tenant still owes $500 on that debt. I'm not going to give the property to them because I think that's probably a clear sign that they're not going to be the right tenant. But you've got to go through mediation before you can lodge it with the debt collection agency.
1: In a much more professional way of doing things rather than just you know an online witch hunt, as it were.
0: So the key takeaways here is that you do have to emotionally distance yourself. And this has been an ongoing thing, but I just want to kind of drill it in because it is so important. And you do have to take that business owner's approach to your property portfolio and make sure that you are checking your tenants before they come in, because the best defence against a potential problem tenant is good and thorough checking up front. Now, Andrew, you have seen your fair share of credit checks and credit histories Walk us through the types of things that we would see if we paid the 10 or $15, $20 in order to get a credit check on a tenant. And what are going to be some of the red flags? Because it might surprise some of the people listening.
1: Often the number one thing that you see on these reports that can kind of give you an indication of the type of person that you're dealing with is the types of inquiries that they're getting. So for example, if there's lots of credit checks from other rental property firms, then probably this tenant is shopping around and getting turned down. And so that's kind of like when you're applying for a mortgage and the BNZ sees that you've been to five other banks and thinks, how come they said no? And so that's one of the really early red flags for me if I'm checking a credit check, seeing what kind of other inquiries have been there.
0: And you actually have to put your tough hat on, if I can say this. We were looking at some credit reports today at Venture with tenants that won't be offered properties because of what's come up on their credit checks. And if you see that over the last two months, four different property management companies have checked their credit and turned them down. I mean, it's really sad because this person that I'm thinking of in this instance is finding it really hard and they're struggling to find a home and that's tough. But you can't, as a landlord, take the risk and put them in, especially now that the 90-day no-cause termination clause has been taken out of legislation. We can't take as much risk, so you've got to kind of put your tough hat
1: on. That's the interesting unintended consequence of that law being taken away. People are going to find it harder if they've got blemishes in the past. Also, things like shopping around for power, each time you've got different credit checks. So if someone's been moving around a lot, personal loans and credit cards. So you can see the type of inquiries there. And again, it's the same thing as a bank's looking for. If they're applying for Lay buys or afterpays all the time, and personal loans and credit cards, as we were talking about a few shows ago, that would be a warning sign to me. And then, of course, defaults. So, if they're not good at paying their debts and there are defaults, even if they've been paid back since, that would be a real red flag for me, and I probably wouldn't be letting out the property to that tenant unless there was some explanation as to why that had happened.
0: And it also probably depends on the types of institutions they're applying to. So, if you're trying to get a credit card from ASB, that's probably okay. If you're trying to get a credit card from Finance Now or Moolah or or Save My Bacon, that's probably more of a red flag, those payday lenders, because it's probably an instance that maybe this person's not very good with money, or maybe they're going through a really tough financial time. And I know this is hard and I know we want to help people out in New Zealand because we're really nice. But at the same time, it's going to be really hard for you if you then have to subsidise this person's living arrangements or at least cash flow it because perhaps they'll be paying it back to you over a long time because you're being nice. You've got to avoid these situations so you don't get too emotionally invested and so you can stick it out in the long term. Everything we talk about on this podcast is really about how do you mitigate risk so you can stay in the property market over the long term.
1: Again, it sounds like we're bleating on about this, but it's because it's true. Using a property manager to separate you from having to make that decision will make it so much easier. And look, it doesn't necessarily mean if you've had these defaults, if you've had these blemishes that you're never going to find a property. There just maybe needs to be a bit of a story about why that's happened. And my advice to anyone listening to this who is a tenant, who then is going to go out and knows that they've got some issues, disclose them at the start tell the person when you apply to the property, hey, look, just so you know, I did have a Vodafone bill that I didn't get paid. The situation there was I moved out of the flat and the internet bill kept going to the property and I didn't realise. And, or, hey, look, back in the GFC, I lost my business. I got made bankrupt. I've since paid my debts and a debt to society. And, and, you know, now I'm starting again and I've got an employment rather than a business. Give some sort of story to begin with so that the person knows that you're actually being honest about your situation.
0: Yeah, Linda and I was sitting today looking through some of these and she said, here's a person who told me upfront, look, you're going to see some things on my credit record from 2017. I was going through a real tough time in terms of health. I wasn't able to work. And that mean that I did get behind in terms of these payments. Now, when Linda went and checked that credit record, she saw that all of those payments that the person had mentioned had now been paid off, and she said to me, "Look, I'm a property manager. I probably wouldn't worry about this because bad things do happen. Health scares happen. If that was last week, if that was last month, I'd be worried. But I feel comfortable enough there. It's probably." far enough back in the past that this person's moved on and they're now on the right track. And because they've disclosed that, this person will find it much easier to find accommodation now than if they hadn't done that.
1: And actually, I have a tenant who is a discharge bankrupt. And when I met them originally, I met them through our property manager and they told me basically exactly that story. My business went down in the Googler and the GFC. He now has a job and he's been in that property for about six years and never missed a payment. And I guess because he's gone through that time and he knows that it's a challenge for him, he's more diligent probably than some other people who think that they can kind of just get away with it.
0: Fantastic, that's really good stuff. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic for Andrew and I, send us a text. Our number is 5522. Whip out your phone, it'd be great to hear from you. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.